When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about to pass Welcome back to Draft Vice, everybody. It is I am here. We are doing this again. And uh, let's just get down to brass tacks. The draft is a few days away. So I'm cranking out a couple of looking future episodes. Uh, but I might mix them up with some uh, profiles of some players. Like today's episode is going to be quarterbacks in the NFL draft. A couple of the ones that might go in the day uh, one, day two range. And then we're also going to talk, have a little bit of a chat about a couple of teams, a couple of famous teams, probably some two of the most famous teams in the NFL, right? Uh, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and uh, the Miami Dolphins, everybody. The Miami Dolphins, they are going to be a big star of this draft. They might not have the number one pick. It don't matter. They are going to be a star in this draft. So good team to go over. They've been crazy in free agency. They've been crazy with all the draft stuff. And we're going to get into why in a second. But first... Before we break down any quarterbacks, before we get into the Dolphins, let's just kick the, the Dallas Cowboys out of the way. That way we can go over a little bit of the, all their crazy, right? They got a new head coach, right? Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl winning head coach. It looks like they went, they, they, they were looking to go ahead and get a guy who was a seasoned veteran. Like there was a way to make sure, like they don't do rebuilds in Dallas. They don't believe in that anymore. They go, you know what? What we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and get the best guy on the market, who we believe is the best guy on the market. And I don't think that was a bad move. I was impressed with McCarthy's uh, off-season or on-season or whatever he was doing, the, the interviews. I was impressed by those interviews that he, uh, he gave. I think those were some good letters to people to tell them, like, hey, come, uh, come check us out. Uh, McCarthy knows what he's doing. You should pick him to be your next head coach. And Dallas did not let him get out of the room. He slept over Jerry Jones' house. Yes, I know I'm still bringing that shit up because I thought that was kind of weird. I think it's kind of weird when you sleep over your new boss's house or your your prospective boss. I mean, he probably wasn't, like, they weren't having a slumber party. They probably weren't playing canasta in, like, Jerry Jones's bedroom. Maybe they were. I don't know. I'm not, big, I'm not uh, aware of how big of a fan of canasta. I feel like Jerry Jones's game is Monopoly. Anyway. So we got the Dallas Cowboys. We got Mike McCarthy coming in. He kept Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, who was the offensive coordinator last year. So there, there seems to be a little bit of synergy, but also a little bit of like, hey, can you like keep the? So he kept the guy on, and he kept the guy on that he they felt comfortable with. Kellen Moore might be a superstar in the NFL one day as far as coaching. He he showed a little bit of good props last year with Jason Garrett as a head coach. But there seemed to be a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of pull, if you will. So. Uh, one week the offense would look great. The other weeks the offense would look bleh, if you will. That's that's an official term. Bleh. So I, I like the Kellen Moore move to keep him on because you don't know. He probably we saw some good offense early last year. We saw some good offense throughout the year, and we could see maybe if Kellen Moore day you know year two into that system, uh, year two of kind of being the OC working with Mike McCarthy can develop a uh, unique or even at least just explosive offense. They were an explosive offense last year, and I think they wanted to keep going in that direction so Mike McCarthy's coming in with a whole new analytical model right he just he, he put the his year off into perspective he said you know what? I'm going to take a year off spend some time with some family but not only that I'm going to get into some like what's the analytics stuff that we need to do so I like the Mike McCarthy hire I think I've been open about it uh, I was a big fan of Mike McCarthy going into the offseason as far as coaching hires so I think that, that worked out then they had then we got to the real offseason free agency happened um, they franchise tag Dak, right? So they're like, because they couldn't come to terms with Dak Prescott. 
they signed Amari Cooper, $20 million average uh, annual a year uh, deal. So $100 million deal, big deal for a receiver. But I think uh, Amari Cooper has shown that he's a, a good receiver in the NFL. Uh, whether you think that that is the value that they should have put as that far as that contract, I, you know, it's it's questionable for some people. I can totally understand either way. I think there's a good argument to be made that listen, receivers are gold, and when you have a really good one that changes your offense, like Amari Cooper did for the Dallas Cowboys, it makes sense. So, uh, they uh, they also signed some D linemen, right? They signed Gerald McCoy, they signed Alden Smith, they signed Dontari Poe, right? They did a whole bunch of deals last year going into the season. Uh, you know, they, they signed Ronald Leary to an extension. They uh, extended Jalen uh, Smith, their linebacker. So they have a, they have an interesting linebacking core. They kept a lot of the offensive line uh, together, right tackle. Uh, not Ronald, uh, Lael Collins. Sorry, I got him confused with the guy who used to, he swapped in for for a few years ago. Uh, Lael Collins, the right tackle, he's going to be there for the long term. So uh, they kept one part of the offensive line together unfortunately Travis Frederick retired if you've you know been keeping up that's kind of sad you're losing a, a major big player that's on your offensive line an all pro center uh, he even played really well this year but he said listen dealing with Gambar syndrome he just can't do it and feel like he's doing his best so they lose uh, a major piece to their offensive line that might affect them going into the draft this week right they might say listen we lost a center Maybe they feel good about Connor McGovern. Different Connor McGovern than the one the Jets uh, signed away from the, the Broncos. There seems to be a lot of Connor McGoverns just wandering around here. Uh, they also got Connor Williams, a lot of Connors on the O-line, uh, who's going to be playing left guard for him, played left guard for him last year. And uh, they got Joe. They got Looney, who, I, you know, not great. He spot started for them, and honestly, he didn't play really well for them when he played in for Travis Frederick. But they have pieces there, so they, there might not be pushed to go ahead and replace Travis Frederick in the first round, especially because there might not be a true all-pro uh, center in the first round, although there's probably one that I like. Um, and we'll get to him in a second. They, uh, for defense coordinator, right, they got Mike Nolan to, to sign on with Mike McCarthy. That was kind of his pick. They lost Byron Jones. Right. Uh, they also uh, cornerback safety. You started out as safety in the NFL for the Cowboys. Now he's playing uh, cornerback. Plays really well at cornerback. Got one of the biggest deals in free agency by going to Miami. So they lost him to the to Miami Dolphins, who we're talking about later on. They lost Travis Frederick to retirement. They lost Robert Quinn to the Chicago Bears. <gasps> but don't worry, folks. Uh, they're going to replace Robert Quinn. With, Gerald, uh, with an interesting combination of D-linemen, right? They got two D-tackles in free agency, Dontari Poe and uh, Gerald McCoy. Those I don't think he's really being replaced. I think they're more replacing Malik Collins, who also left. He went to the Raiders with Jeff Heath and Jason Witten. Um, they also signed uh, Alden Smith, who is potentially coming back to the NFL after being uh, indefinitely suspended and been out of the league for the last four years. And they got news that they might get Randy Gregory back. So... He, that he might get reinstated this year. So that's a lot of pieces that are all kind of floating out there that may – it might make it a good D-line. It might make it a meh D-line. So there's a lot of questions surrounding this defensive line, uh, especially with Robert Quinn playing so well on that defense. They just weren't able to keep him. He went to the Chicago Bears. Uh, Cam Fleming, offensive tackle, reserve tackle, 
decided to go to the New York Giants, follow uh, Jason Garrett over to the Big Apple. Uh, Jeff Heath, their strong safety, along with Malik Collins, their D-tackle, along with Jason Witten, signed up to join up with the Raiders and be like, yo, we're going to join the Raiders and we're going to go hang out with the Raiders. So, yeah, that's a, another team that they decide to hang out with and go, oh, you know, so, okay, it's, it was a bunch of players. Ways you can fix it, you get some cheap pickups, right? You know, Dontari Poe, Gerald McCoy, good cheap pickups. You know, I think the big worry going into this year is you have Dak Prescott on the franchise tag who hasn't signed his tender yet, who sounds like he's going to at least not show up for any of the virtual minicamp because of COVID. Uh, so he's at least going to stay out of that. He might refuse to show up in, you know, again, we don't know when they're actually going to get on the field, if there's going to be a season next year, what they're going to physically do, how all that's going to be handled. Looking into this year, I mean, if this was a normal year, it might be a little bit more worrisome because you're talking about a leader on the field who's not going to be there, right? You need to get your practice reps in with your quarterback. If he's not showing up, it might cause a bit of a headache. So if this was a normal year, I'd say this is a bigger deal because of COVID and the weird offseason. I don't know if it will be. You're going to have more of a virtual like OTA situation. But you make money off of OTAs, but he still hasn't signed the, the tender, so he's kind of like in this, you know, they can't find him for not signing showing up. Uh, we're going to get into some of that as far as the new CBA and how the, the tenders, you know, how the um, holdouts are going to be affected with the new CBA as far as uh, accruing years and stuff like that. Uh, probably not today, but I do think it's an important thing to go over. So uh, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, have a lot of weird uh, spots that are kind of like, you, you don't feel horrible about any specific position, right? Um Except maybe one, uh, and I'll get into that. But uh, you know, D line, I feel decent about. If they got another piece there, I feel like I feel really good about it. Uh, offensive line, you know, not for nothing. They still have Tyron Smith. They still have Leo Collins. They still have uh, uh, Zach Martin, all pro right guard Zach Martin. So with all those pieces there, and you're hoping Connor Williams takes a step forward. And you're hoping maybe the guy that you drafted a year or two ago takes a step forward. Uh, maybe you draft a guy in the third or fourth round in this draft. Potentially, you might be okay at the offensive line. So I don't feel horrible. I don't feel like it's a, a, a thing that they have to run after and go get the top guy for. But it is one of those things, you know, every position group seems kind of a little bit questionable, right? Tight end, uh, who's playing tight end for them? Like Jarwin again? I don't know. Is he even on the team? Uh, linebacker is an interesting spot for them. They got Sean Lee coming back uh, for like a $4 million deal. They got Leighton Vanderush, but he's kind of got neck issues. And then they also have Jalen Smith, who they gave a big deal to last year. And there might be some questions as to whether they liked that deal or not. So that's, again, another position where you're looking at it and you're going, all right, I don't think they're replacing – I don't think they're drafting linebacker. I think they might avoid linebacker. They might take someone on like a little bit later, but I don't think they're jumping after linebacker this year. I just don't – I don't see that being part of their scheme, their strategy, if you will. Safety, not, not – like, you know, there's not – there's some good players. Xavier Woods I like as far as their safeties go, but uh, they could still use a little bit of adding to that safety room. Uh, receiving corpse, you know, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper have been good, but everybody else is kind of uh, – not special. Uh, they lost Randall Cobb to free agency. He went over to the Texans. So he just went like down the street. 
I don't know. I actually don't know how far Texas is from uh, Dallas, Texas is from uh, Houston, Texas. Probably might be a little bit further than down the street. So here goes my my Texas geography for you. Then, uh, so you, you know, you have all these pieces that are like it's you know, and then you also have the Dak Prescott issue. You know, you paid your running back last year, Zeke Elliott. What do you need going into this draft? Well, they lost Byron Jones, who was their best corner. They just did not budget out for him, right? This is this is a team that tends to budget out a few years in advance to keep a guy. They didn't keep the guy. So you don't have uh, Byron Jones. You still have Chidobia Wuzie and Jordan Lewis. They might come on a little bit better. Uh, you know, I liked Chidobia Wuzie coming out. He's played pretty well. Um, Jordan Lewis has been a pretty decent slot guy. Not amazing, not great, but they still need another outside corner. Um, there's a lot of guys that are still out there in free agency, so maybe after the draft they look to dr grab a guy. They have about $13 million in uh, in available cap space. And then you can always kind of open up more cap space and stuff like that. But going into the draft, they have about $13 million, give or take, that's available to them to utilize to improve the roster. So they might go ahead and utilize that money to, to play around with, and never know if they get a deal done with Dak Prescott that might open up a little bit of cap space here or there some wiggle room so as far as the the position groups I feel cornerbacks the one I'm the, if I was going on that team I'd be like yo we don't got anybody we got we got like two guys we think we're, we're decent with they're like league average corners can be pretty good okay safety room decent D-line and then it's like well what do you value you know do you value you know man coverage and trying to blitz this all comes down to what, what Carroll wants to do, what Mike Carroll wants to go do going into this year. Mike Nolan. Uh, Mike Nolan. Sorry, everybody. I get Mike Nolan, Nolan Carroll in my head. Oh, I just did the, the – Mike Nolan, everybody, is the defensive coordinator. So, anyway. Uh, you know, in this draft, there is a good amount of corners in this draft, right? Um, pass rush is not great. right? We're going to talk a little bit about pa uh, the defensive players on tomorrow's episode going into this year and then on Wednesday I'm going to do my final mock draft going into the year and then we'll, we'll see where we go with this so uh, defense uh, there, there's going to be some interesting players for defense at 17 which is where they pick in the first round uh, corner very deep but kind of interesting deep like it's not there's like two guys who are really good and then a bunch of guys kind of like the year Jadobi Awuzie came out where there's like two guys that were really great and everybody else is kind of interesting question marks. So you might get a good guy in the second round or third round. Um, pass rush is weird this year. You know, the Caleb on chase on AJ Epinesa. Those are kind of the guys you're looking at in that area. If Javon Kinlaw fell, but again, like they, this is not a team that's typically drafted D tackles very high, at least not in recent years. So uh, I don't think they're drafting a running back. That's the only spot I don't see them ever really uh, really paying attention to. There's a lot of good receivers in this draft. I could see them maybe saying, hey, we need to shore up our receiving core. So that might be the, the, the choice of them, if you will. So I, I truly do believe that the, the Dallas Cowboys uh, have, a, have like that league average team and they could take a step forward and be amazing. Or, you know, they could whiff it this year and be stuck uh, two years behind, if you will. And part of that has to do with their situation at each of these positions where they're, they're like even their best strength, they really can only build on so much. You know, there might be like a Cesar Ruiz at 17. Are you going to take him in the first round? Are you going to take a center in the first round who has very good qualities? I'm not quite sure he's all pro center. So is that what you're going to take in the first round? Or are you going to try to rebolster your defense? 
a lot of questions going into this year with the Dallas Cowboys. This team could easily be back in the playoffs this year, or they could easily be back in the top five like they were when the year they drafted Zeke Elliott. So what are we going to do? What are they going to do? Right? Maybe one of these deep receivers, like I was talking about the other day. They're going to go, you know, running back, meh. D-tackles or some. Edge rushers, uh, I'm not too happy. But what about another team? Let's talk about uh, another East Coast team, although I don't understand how Dallas is considered East, but another East team, the Miami Dolphins. Hang on one sec. I almost drank the microphone, everybody. Yes, I just had a little bit of water. A little bit of water. That's how I use my English. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins next, right? This team has so many picks. First off, let's get into everybody thought they were tanking last year, right? Tanking for Tua. They had two horrible games at the beginning of the season. They had a new head coach in Brian Flores. They have a new manager in Chris Greer. They thought Brian Flores was just going to be in here to, like, hang out to dry, that he was going to be a scapegoat. Well, scapegoat him, he did not let them do because they went on a run at the end of the year, right? Five out of seven games at the end of the year that they won. They, they showed that they were willing to play hard and try to win games. I like it. I like what I saw from, uh, from Brian Flores' team. They picked up. They went from a team that had like you know, 40, 50 points thrown on for the first two, three weeks to a team that at least held up in a couple of tough contests, So, including beating the Patriots. So going into this year, they've got uh, Chan Gailey as their new offensive coordinator coming out of retirement so that their guy can go join up and uh, be on a, a few, you know, their, their current offensive coordinator got to leave. Uh, Josh Boyer got, you know, ended up going from passing game coordinator to defensive coordinator. Although, let's be real, uh, Brian Flores being a former DC defensive coordinator, former DC of the Patriots and linebackers coach, he's probably calling a lot more of the defensive plays there. But let's talk about what they did in free agency because I think that's what we all want to talk about, right? They, uh, they had a healthy free agency, if you will. We talked before. They signed Byron Jones of the of the Dallas Cowboys. They have a very expensive uh, back end now, right? They got Xavier Howard, one of the highest paid corners in the NFL. They also now have uh, Byron Jones as a corner at seventeen million dollars a year. Two of the two of like the top three paid corners in the NFL. That's pretty good. Your your outside coverage is going to be amazing. So you got your your lockdown corners. You got two great lockdown corners. Now it's filling out the rest of the defense you get to worry about, right? They had a couple of guys who played pretty good on defense last year. Uh, they, they liked uh, a couple of their linebackers. Jerome Baker played pretty well. But they went ahead and they signed a few guys in free agency. Kyle Van Noy they signed, a pass-rushing linebacker, strong side linebacker. Who knows what he's going to be playing in their defense. It could be playing, you know, be rushing up the middle. You know, this is a, this is a very Patriots-style defense, if you will. So Kyle Van Noy gets signed. They signed a couple of offensive linemen because if there was a, a giant weakness on this team, it was the offensive line. They still didn't sign any tackles, though. Well, they signed one guy who was a former tackle, Mr. Eric Flowers. They also uh, uh, they signed Ted Karras of the New England Patriots so to be a center if they're going to utilize him at center. $4 million, not, not a heavy deal. May, uh, I'll tell you this much. The Flowers deal was a little bit pricier. I think it was uh, three years, $10 million. Uh, Manuel Ogbo was signed for uh, a, a bit of money. 
not a lot. Like again, these were a lot of these deals were like in that like eight to ten million dollar range. Shaq Lawson, three years, ten million. Uh, so they got two ends, two defensive ends, a linebacker, a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, Clayton, uh, Fred Lehim, the safety. They even signed Jordan Howard, formerly of the Eagles and the Chicago Bears. So it seems like they're trying to like go ahead and pull a bunch of pieces together to to formulate a uh, a, a defense that will work for them. That that can kind of like co you know again cohesively work to what they want to go for. Brian Flores is getting his guys right. He's going to get to walk into next year and be like, listen, I know how Van Noy works. I think I can get something out of Agba. I think I can get something out of Shaq Lawson. A lot of these D linemen that they have now, Christian Wilkins, Grossfar, oh, whatever his name is, uh, starts with a G. Can't ever pronounce it. They got a lot of good run stuffing D linemen. It sounds a lot like the Patriots. But then they also got a lot of good man corners. So what they're really probably planning to do is blitz a lot. That's what I see this team doing. I think they're going into the 2020 season to blitz. Blitz and blitz hard, if you will. I get it. I got it. It's good. They're saying, we're going to cover you, and we're just going to go ahead and throw whatever we can at you. And I think it'll work. I think it's a, a an interesting strategy. But they've got some weaknesses on the roster, right? Uh, quarterback, right? They got Fitzmagic, Brian Fitzpatrick. They got Josh Rosen, the chosen one. Uh, receiving cores, uh, interesting. Good two names on there that I like. Preston Williams played pretty well last year. Devontae Parker played uh, pretty well last year. Had his breakout season finally after like nine years. Really, it's just five. He he's uh, you know the thing was he was a hyped first round pick, but again, athletic freak, fun to watch. I honestly like he was always that guy. You're like if he ever got it all together, he'd be amazing. And we kind of saw him get a lot of it together. Played really well. Fitzpatrick. So. Um, I talked before about Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey had uh, a couple of guys when he was with the New York Jets that were uh, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, where he utilized these two big guy, two giant slot receivers almost basically. They were playing spread. They had they would have Marshall in the the slot. They would have Decker in the slot, and it would make it very hard for teams to line up against them because you have these two big athletic dominating powerhouses of receivers. I, I loved watching when he was a, a, the Jets coordinator. He was a fun guy to, you know, his first season there with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was a fun team to watch. I thought it, he, he might be a good guy to have for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick with, uh, with Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. They still need receivers, though. This team is a team that is not done with the receiving core, and they're certainly not done with the offensive line. They need tackles. They need maybe two tackles. They need to look and get two tackles in this draft, and they could probably do it. So, uh, you know, they traded away Laramie Tunsil last year, got a couple of picks for Laramie Tunsil. Good move. I liked it. I was a big fan of the move, um, especially when you're in this rebuild mode. And they still get another first and a second next year for this guy. I, this is amazing. This is the gift that keeps on giving for them. They might get a couple of tackles and still go into next year with so much extra extra capital. I like it. So Miami in this little bit of a rebuild mode, second shot. They're going into this draft. They've got a ton of picks, right? They still, By the way, all those signings, they still have $35 million in cap just for this year, right? That stuff's going to roll over to next year potentially, which I think that they'll probably save that to roll over so that they can get some more guys next year, kind of work on developing more of this team. Sounds great. They have three picks in the first round. They got pick five, pick 18, pick 26. This is why I meant – they are the bells of the ball in this year's NFL draft. They have a lot of picks. They've got a lot of stuff. They're walking into this year. They are not afraid. 
They got number five overall, 18 overall, 26th overall. They also got two picks in the second round, number 39 overall, number 56 overall. And they also have a high third round pick. So they are, I think they're going in here feeling very comfortable. They got a ton of picks, uh, multiple fifth rounders this year, multiple uh, seventh rounders. So they're really going to get to have their pick of uh, some, some deeper players in this draft, if you will. Uh, guys who are falling, you know, and the good thing with fifth and sixth, fifth and seventh round picks is that you get that ability to jump up. Hey, we'll trade you a couple of fifth rounders. We can get up and get your fourth or something. So it gives you the ability to be mobile in the draft. It doesn't mean you have to be stagnant because like the top hundred picks are where it really matters. And then like the fourth round's pretty decent. And once you get the fifth to seventh round, really those tickets are, hey, we're not really big fans of the guys that they have left here. Let us move back and like, or move up and kind of utilize the ability to go up and down the strap. And I think this year, the seventh rounder picks are going to be like interesting picks. The fifth round picks are going to be like hits that are going to last a lifetime because again, with COVID, a lot of guys are, you know, they're going to stay away from red flags. They're going to trade down, get rid of picks this year for picks next year. There's going to be a market inefficiency this year. that falls to like that fifth round where those extra like three fifth round picks are going to be very useful. So uh, I'm not going to be shocked when day three comes around and Miami walks out with a haul going into, you know, 2020 and 2021, if you will. So the big questions this year, right? Miami, they tanked, tanked for Tua, Tua gets hurt. You know, they're not going to get Joe Burrow. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow. But I think we'll, we'll, we'll save Joe Burrow for last of all the quarterbacks. This is kind of why I wanted to marry this all together. Because, like I said, I think, uh, you know, you, if you want to pay attention to some of the tackle stuff, I did a tackle episode. There's going to be quite a few tackles in this draft. They probably have an opportunity to at least get one good tackle, and then maybe even a tackle on day two to, to throw on to that offensive uh, offensive line because there's going to be guys maybe like Isaiah Wilson that maybe falls to the second. You know, he really is probably a day two guy, but he might not be there. But they might be able to get Lucas Yang, who played right tackle, who has some injury red flags. Again, with all these extra picks, you might be able to bolster up that offensive line, get Lucas Nyang and Josh Jones or Lucas Nyang and Mekhi Becton. But let's talk about the fifth overall pick, the quarterbacks that might be there if they trade down. People are hearing trade down. They might go, hmm, that's a little interesting. But that could be on the table at five overall if somebody else wants a quarterback up there. If you're the Miami Dolphins, you built up all this capital, right? You're at fifth overall. Fitzpatrick's not really your future. But there's a lot of question marks outside of Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow has his own questions. But, so there's two, right? Injury, red flags, couple of ankle, uh, uh, a couple of uh, high ankle sprains. And, and uh, has, again, the hip issue, right? The, he, that was almost like they're saying like a car crash level injury. Um, this guy does have a lot of injuries, right? He's not injury prone because they're not repetitive injuries. They're not showing that he's had, like, like oh, this guy keeps tearing his meniscus. This guy's got bad knees. He's got an arthritic knee. He's going to keep going downhill. So he's not injury prone, but he is prone to injury by the way he plays. He's, he tries to extend the play a little bit. He bounces around. He's not, you know, he, he's, uh, he's when he does take a hit, he's not taking it the best way possible. So Tua is a, a very interesting prospect, right? Played for Alabama, had all these first-round picks around him. That's what everybody likes to talk about is the first-round picks that were surrounding Tua. And not for nothing, it is a very good question. With all the first-round picks that were around him, 
did he have uh, did he have to com- have the hardest time playing? You know, he very rarely had to go past his first read. And what some people have noticed is that when he had to go past his first read, when he had to make a second read throw, when he had to do some, you know, actually had to make it through his progressions, he had a little bit less of a good time. But, you know, he's still good at a lot of things, right? He's still got a good pocket presence, good, uh, good pocket awareness, good arm, very accurate, uh, knows how to throw a touch in anticipation. So the thing that I'm, I'm not always worried with reads because it also might be the scheme that you are running you can develop a way of when a guy has a hard time with making it through progressions, it might be that he was never asked to do it. So that's that's really to his issue, right? He's not really asked to do it a lot. So you might have to develop it for him. Like you saw that a lot with uh, Deshaun Watson coming out of Clemson. That was a big question mark with him, along with a couple of other things. But that was like the biggest question mark was, can he make it in the NFL with multiple reads? And is he going to be able to do this? His real problem was the interceptions and decision-making in college and if for some reason, it just turned out that he's just, he's been one of those guys that was a lot a lot of people took knocks on, played a lot better. Tua has a lot of the similar qualities that Deshaun Watson had. That's kind of the guy who I look at and I go, that's your framework right there. Except Tua is a hit away for like you know, a you don't know if he's playing next year. Get the injury red flags. Uh, you also have a question mark here with his hip. If it's going to be arthritic, you know they're they're saying there's going to at least be arthritis in his hip. You know, go a couple years down the line, we're not talking all that far down the line. That's a big, that's a big worry for a lot of teams. It's a big worry if you're uh, you're drafting him fifth overall. So with him, you have the the hip issue, uh, the necrosis setting in can still set in anywhere from six months to a year. So you might have a team that drafts him, and you know, again, or again, I'm not a doctor, so if they're so worried about the necrosis. And uh, potentially setting in past now, right? That was actually the big question. This would probably be the target time for where they would start seeing it to set in was about April. He hasn't really, you know, you haven't been able to get your second checkup with the doctor, especially with, that's the other thing is coronavirus has definitely hurt his stock as well. Did not expect this coming up. So you thought you'd have the second checkup with uh, the doctor, get an MRI, and they'd be able to give him a clearance on it a little bit more. That's just not happened. Like I said, the things that I love about this guy He's accurate. He can throw the ball really well. Touch anticipation. Has an NFL level arm. He's he might not. He's not the strongest arm in the world. I, actually, I think that's kind of the differentiator. The top four quarterbacks, the day one quarterbacks, the top two, do not have the strongest arms in the world. But they have NFL level arms. But they know how to throw a touch anticipation. They know they have good pocket awareness and they know how to extend the play. I basically feel like Burrow and Tua have a lot of similarities as far as what they do well. I think the thing that Burrow does better. Is a he doesn't have the injury question mark, but also he's he makes it past his first. He had a lot more second, third read throws. He's you know his extending of the play was a little bit different. I, I felt like he was just a little bit different of the two, where I think that I, I that even if Tua was healthy, there is good argument as to why uh, Burrow should go ahead of Tua, and I, I think I, I would still be Burrow ahead of Tua guy. Um, even though two has done it longer, but two has also had shortened seasons because of injury, which, again, it's kind of a back-and-forth thing. Both those guys, accurate, good arms, but not elite-level arms. The next two guys on the list, Herbert, who is potentially going to go ahead of Tua at five overall for Miami or whoever decides to pick very high. He might be the set, Justin Herbert of Oregon, who has a great arm, very athletic, 
but his problem's always been kind of accuracy, consistency. Uh, again, he's got strong arm, good. He's a good athlete. I think he's a good rhythm and timing passer. Like if if you got him a uh, a coach, you know, when the rumor was going around that you know maybe the Bengals were more interested in Herbert. When that rumor was going around, there was a good idea here that he kind of fits in a Zach Taylor offense. He fits in a Kyle Shanahan offense, he maybe, except for the issue of he has bad footwork. He has, like, not horrible, but his footwork is similar to Carson Wentz. There's a reason why you don't see Carson Wentz throw from under center a lot. So, like Carson Wentz, uh, like a few other quarterbacks, you know, you might see him more in a shotgun RPO kind of system, but where you have a little bit more rhythm and timing, uh, a lot more deep shots. You're going to have to design an offense that works for him initially, utilize his athleticism. Uh, like I said, really strong arm, and everybody's kind of pointed that one out. He, he has some you know issues with short area throws. He has uh, some issues making it through progressions. And like I said, his footwork gets a little messy sometimes. So you're going to have questions as to whether he can do uh, a full scheme like a Kyle Shanahan drop-back scheme where he's got to take the ball under center and then throw it. Uh, and he's always had kind of consistency issues. Him and the next guy have had some consistency question marks. Uh, you know, Jordan Love, Utah State, kind of the next guy down, fourth quarterback on the list. You know, he could easily go in the top ten. He could easily go at the end of the first round. And the things that you see with him are he's got a strong arm. He's athletic. He's kind of in the Josh Allen spectrum. But he has issues when it comes to decision-making, reads. He stares down his, uh, his receiver. You know, with those kind of issues, you, you have a question as to whether he can make it in the NFL. Um, he's more, you know, you get this kind of hearing of, you know, is this guy a uh, – is this guy going to be more athlete than, than quarterback? And, you know, usually it has been used in the past to go ahead and degradate some players. But I, I'm, I'm saying this as in, he, I, well, like I said, he's in the Josh Allen spectrum, right? He is athlete, strong arm. You know, if you can design a scheme that works for him, you can get him with a, especially if you can get him with a good coach, a uh, good scheme that works around what his strengths are. And maybe let him sit for at least like a good first half of the season, get him some developmental time. He can become at least somewhat like there's some hope that he could be Pat Mahomes. I don't think he is there because uh, there's stuff that Pat Mahomes has shown when he was coming out that showed that like listen sometimes he, Pat Mahomes would throw an interception, but he his point was listen we had to throw 500 yards a game because we had no defense really wasn't the same thing with Utah State. So, he, you know, like, it, it, there's certain questions that you would have of these players that you just won't be able to answer, right? And you want to ask them of everybody. You know, Joe Burrow, why has he only had one good year? Uh, and part of that was the offense in, at LSU wasn't really, uh, wasn't really great for a quarterback its first year, but then Joe Brady comes in, right? Like I said, Joe Burrow reminds me of, uh, and I think a lot of people said, Tony Romo, right? Tony Romo's the perfect comp for him, uh, not the strongest arm in the world. But good decision maker, cerebral knows if he understands and knows the offense, which he showed that he can pick up an offense pretty well. That and he played in an NFL style offense. He shows that he can kind of he can make the progressions, make the reads, extend the play, uh, keep the game script going, and just try to keep playing. And that was kind of like what Tony Romo was when he was in the NFL. He was good at kind of you know he he was weirdly athletic. He wasn't great, 
He wasn't like he wasn't Lamar Jackson, but what he was is he had good pocket awareness. Some of that was developmental, right? He didn't come into the league like that. He had good three years of playing as an un- being an undrafted free agent, being a backup, and then starting to play. He had that, and he got to develop and learn how to be a quarterback in the NFL. Joe Burrow has a lot of those same things, but he hasn't had to be a backup for, for three years as an undrafted free agent. He has that awareness, that ability, that touch, that sh- you know, the ability to throw the ball they're exactly where it needs to be, great accuracy, and he played, an, again, an NFL-style offense, and that's something that is very unique to Joe Burrow that maybe not every single player of these top four quarterbacks gets to do. So, Burrow, your question is, you know, what happened at Ohio State that you couldn't get on the field? What happened between year one and year two? These are just questions you'd want to ask. Tua, the hip, making it to second reads, you know, reading a defense, which I think you can develop that. That's not – the things that he does really well are the things that I don't wor- – are the things that I, 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 don't, I worry about more. The things like pocket presence, accuracy, touch, mobility, those things you can't teach, and he does it really well. Herbert, you know, there's a little bit – you know, I know there's some – not character as in the – not character as in, like, red flag character, but character as in, like, is this guy a leader or is he kind of like – or is he lead through example? How does he do it? And that's usually been the, the big question mark with Herbert. Um, and then trying to get down, like, can he – again, same issues that everybody coming into the NFL has. Can you read an offense? You know, can we design something for you? And – with Jordan Love, it's trying to figure out can he develop into that next level guy, right? Um, so those are the top four guys. There's also three day two guys that I think are interesting. Everybody's probably talked about them, about them already. Jalen Hurts, athletic, played for Oklahoma, played for Alabama. Um, a lot of people, and including me, have kind of compared him to Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I like that comp. I think it's, you know, and you can design an offense that works for him. I think that he's a he, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he has that thing of if you design – like some of these guys, you just got to design something for them that makes them work. But he has the same issues that Tyrod has. You know, if his first or second read's not there, he might duck his head and run. He's a guy who you want to draft and kind of have sit for a season or so and kind of learn the offense. Then there's Jake Fromm, who, uh, dude, took a huge step back in 2019. Like, I don't, I don't think it's talked about enough. I think people just thought he went, like, lateral. And they were like, well, he just didn't develop. No, he had he took a step back as well. And I think part of it was the weapons weren't there anymore. But still, like, you know, he his accuracy is pretty good. Uh, if you can he's gonna he's gonna take a step in the NFL and he could start right away. He's not he's gonna be more of the Alex Smith kind of guy. He's gonna be more in that Cody Kessler, Alex Smith uh, range of player where really what you're counting on is short area accuracy, keeping the ball moving, ball control. And if he lands with the right team, it might not be a bad deal. But he's not going to be the driver of the offense as much as the a player in the offense, if you will. And then there's Jacob Eason, Washington. Another big arm guy, uh, more developmental, going to probably go on like day two somewhere. And... You just didn't see enough stuff from him to make you go, I want this guy as, a, as my quarterback. It, again, these the, these seven guys are probably all going on the first two days of the draft. Um, as far as who should go to Miami, depends on what your question is as far as injury goes, right? Uh, if, if, you, if you are the no-risk-it-no-biscuit guy, you might go to it. If you feel like, hey, listen, I just got to get somebody back there who I could develop, 
But then you realize, like, they have Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen went, like, top 15 last, uh, two years ago, and he's been on two different teams. So, I don't know. This is a very, very unique year in the NFL draft. You're not getting the opportunity to go ahead and, and see what uh, the medicals on Tua more than you would. Uh, you're not getting to bring these guys in and get them on the chalkboard and, you know, see them do progressions. So, uh, I'm not quite sure what I would do if I was Miami. Honestly, I'd probably trade back, try to get as many picks as possible, and next year have, like, 30 first-round picks if that was available to me. And then take a guy, like, on day two. That would be an opportunity. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the smart thing, but it is an interesting idea, uh, especially if you're worried about Tua and his hip. So... Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, if you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at B-R-O-J-O, death is in the end of life, punch, like a delicious drink on a nice summer day. And if you want, you can follow, uh, you know, you, uh, honestly, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, like it, leave a comment. Um, and then if you're uh, listening to this on the iTunes, right, uh, leave a review, leave a say that you love us. Again, subscribe, make it auto-download, do whatever you can to support the pod. And thank you. And we will be back. We'll be here this week. We're doing live streams. We're doing a live stream broadcast on Thursday and Friday on the draft nights, if you will. Take care. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future.